I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, something that I think God wants to give us, okay? Something that God wants to give us, and it's a, an ability to solve problems, okay? An ability to solve problems. So I want to start and read James 1, verse 2 to you. It says, Consider it all, all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And trials can be defined as adversity or problems. So how many people in this room love problems? Raise your hand. How many people consider it to be any type of joy at all when you have a problem? Yet the Bible says, consider it all joy. I mean, that's, that's what it says. So you can see that we are not necessarily thinking about things right. And here's my testimony about problems. I have a lot of problems in my life. Okay, that's the real truth. Being a pastor, you get not only your own personal problems, but you get lots of other people's problems that you have to try to solve. And, you know, the church has lots of issues that it's facing constantly. And uh, a few months ago, someone came to me, or two people came to me with a pretty major problem. And they, after I was sitting with them for two hours, my head felt like it was going to explode because of the problem that they had just communicated to me that I had absolutely no uh, idea how to help or solve or anything. I wasn't getting any information from the Lord at all. And when they left, I sort of had this little encounter with the Lord, and it went something like this. Byron, why is your head hurting? My head is hurting, Lord, because of this problem and all the other problems that I'm sick and tired of having. And I don't have faith for this problem, Lord. I don't have an answer for this problem, and I don't even want to have faith for this problem. That's how I, feel. I don't even want to have faith to try to even answer this problem. I just don't even want to bother it. And as I was saying that, this memory came into my mind. Back in my other life, I was an engineer, and I remember when I first went to work to be an engineer, and one day my boss came by to see how I was doing. And I said, well, I'm doing okay, except for all, this, all these problems on these, on these projects I got. I'm just so sick of all these problems. Every day somebody's calling me with a new problem. And he looked at me, and I will never forget what he said to me. He said, Byron, you're an engineer. Engineers are problem solvers. Without problems, you don't have a job. And he turned around and walked out of the room. So my attitude changed immediately, and I embraced problems from that point on in my engineer life. But, but in our world, honestly, in our world, we value happiness. We don't like problems. And we will do anything to avoid problems, even getting somebody else to solve our problems. And, you know, I think in some ways our nation is in danger of, of, of having a, a, a welfare mindset on it. And a welfare mindset really is a mindset where somebody else always solves your problems for you. Somebody else is always responsible for you. And that's really not the heart of the Lord because God has created every person to be a problem solver. And <clears throat> he even reminded me of Adam and Eve in the garden. And Adam and Eve in the garden was... was uh, you know, they had this perfect environment they were in, the garden of God, and they had this tremendous relationship with the Lord. That's what God did with them. But then God gave them the very first problem that man ever had. And that problem was to take, their, take out of their relationship with Him and take what they had in the garden and take it out into the world outside the garden and subdue that world and expand that garden. So right from the beginning, you see that God gave us a problem to solve. 
And He created us as problem solvers. Let me read Ephesians 3.10 and 11. It says that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God created each one of us to have problems, to face problems, and get the wisdom of God into the problem and solve the problem. That's what He created us for. That's part of our job as believers on this earth as problem solvers. And when we run from problems, we're running from the very part of our great calling. And when we allow God to release the wisdom of heaven to us, okay, when we allow that to happen and we bring a solution from heaven into the earth realm, it gives glory to God. God's glorified. The enemy is shamed. The enemy's defeated. That's what happens. That's one of the ways, and that's, that's what it says right there, that the, the, glory, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and powers in the heavenly places. And that's really what happens when we have problems and we solve the problems. James went on to say in verse 5 of James 1, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. That God generously gives wisdom for every situation and every circumstance that we will ever face in this life. In fact, God has never given any of us a problem that He's not given us the, the ability, the access to the ability and wisdom to solve that problem. You will never face anything. God will never put you in a situation that you don't have the ability to gain the wisdom to, to, to deal with that situation. Amen? You know, God has never meant for the church to be consumed with the rest of the world. The world's being consumed right now. The world's being consumed with fear and uncertainty, and God never meant for His people. In fact, God created His people to be the answer to those people out there who have, really have no answer. They do not have an answer. The people of the world don't have an answer. Uh, I want to say this to you. I mean, you know, I'm for the government and politics and all that. We need all that as part of the program. But there's no answer in any of those people running for president. They don't have the answer for us. They hold no answer. No, no, if we are believing that one person, one party is going to provide something for us, we are sadly mistaken. We are going to be disappointed in that person. We really are. because, I, In fact, you know what I feel? I feel sorry for the guy who's going to get elected president because he is facing insurmountable issues. Insurmountable issues. And apart from the grace of God, no matter who gets in there, we are, we're going to have some, some bad times ahead of us. As one person said, problems are the playing field for the wisdom of the Father. Problems are the playing field. So we can't run from our problems. We need to run to God and get the answers, the revelation from heaven, the wisdom of God to solve the problems. Now, here's what's going on, I believe, right now, just currently, okay, in, in the world system, okay? Number one, we have a very negative spiritual atmosphere in our nation right now. We have an atmosphere of fear and uncertainty in our nation, an atmosphere of hopelessness. That has infiltrated the church. That has infiltrated many of you sitting in this room this morning. Many of you walk in here carrying that atmosphere of the world with you. I was in a pastor's meeting this week, and I would have thought, are these people, do these people even believe the Bible? These are pastors. These are leaders because of the negative words that were being spoken in that meeting. The negative words. It was really like, good gosh, let me out of here. I've got to get out of here. I've got to go find somebody who believes something besides what everybody else is believing. You know, and that's really who we're called to be. 
We're called to be those people who release that. So, number one, in our world right now, there is a very negative atmosphere. And God has, you know, we, here's the thing that really is discouraging, okay, honestly. We talked about it for the last couple of years about changing the atmosphere. Okay? We've talked about it. All of a sudden, we have an atmosphere that really needs changing real bad right now. Where are the people who are going to rise up and release the heavenly realm that, we, that resides with us and in us into that atmosphere? I mean, even when you're sitting with a bunch of pastors in a city and they're, 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 they're just adding to the negative of it. Somebody's got to rise up and start speaking life in, into the situation. So that's one of the things that's really going on right now. Another thing that's going on right now that I really believe is in the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, there is a shift in seasons going on. We are moving out of a season spiritually into another season spiritually. And I have been through spiritual season shifts before, but I never was keen and wise and paying attention enough to, to, to really understand what was happening. So basically through experience and through, you know, seeking God for that, you know, understanding the times and knowing what to do as a, as a personal prayer, you know, God has sort of helped me get a better feel for what's happening spiritually because everything that's happening in the natural is being, it's happening because something's happening in the spirit realm. So there's a major shift going on in the spirit realm. And what happens when these shifts happen, there's a grace that we, were going, that we had in a prior season that gets, get, gets pulled back from us. Okay, that, it's almost like that grace recedes, but there's another grace that we don't understand yet, that, that we don't feel yet. So we've got to get in this place where we don't feel like we have the grace that we once had, but we're not walking in the grace that God wants to release. And so what can happen in these times, these can be really treacherous times for people, very difficult times for people. And God wants to get us through these spiritual shifts so we can come in everything. So, so we have a lot going on right now, okay, spiritually. And we really have to pay attention to what's happening to be able to make these shifts with God and come into what God wants to do now. I love that, what she was saying. God's going to break that shame that's come off the body of Christ over the summer. We've got some shame thrown us, on us. But God's going to break that. He's going to release us from all that. I really believe that. So what I've got here is this, that I really wanted to tell you about. I just want to tell you. And I really sort of felt terrible about this situation after I had this little encounter with the Lord because I thought that problem I was facing that day was bad. There was another one that came within a week that made that one look like, uh, you know, what, what kind of shoes are you going to wear today? That's the way it felt like, oh, my God, I thought I had a problem. I've got a major problem. I mean, I've got a world-class problem that came. I'm not talking about someone. I'm talking a world-class destructive problem that, God, I've got to get some answers on this one because this is, this is majorly destructive. People's lives can be absolutely destroyed, many people. And if you don't release the wisdom from heaven onto this, there's going to be bad things. So <clears throat> I'm not suggesting that you seek problems. Problems are going to seek you out. Okay, and there's no way around that. So what I want to suggest to you to do is begin to dial in and realize when those problems come your way, guess what? God said, you're the, you're the man, you're the woman, you're the child for this problem. You're the answer, you're the walking answer for this problem. Don't run from it. Don't let this welfare spirit get on you. Face this problem and deal with it. Get my wisdom. Ask me for wisdom and I'll give it to you and speak that wisdom into the situation. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes God's answers. God's wisdom is not easy. There is pain associated with some solutions. Now, I think every parent knows that. We've had to solve problems for our kids. 
And it was painful for us, and it was painful for them, but it was the right thing. It was the answer. So I'm not saying when we're going to get the wisdom of God, everything's going to turn out and be easy that next moment. No, we may have to go through some pain. We may have to go through some difficulties, even with the wisdom of God, many times. But I'll tell you this, we're the answer. We have the access to the wisdom of heaven. And God's looking for problem solvers right now. You are a problem solver. Whether you want to be or not, you're a problem solver. So get that wisdom. So I was asking the Lord for some wisdom. Lord, I just need some, I don't know what you want to call it. You can call it generic wisdom. You can call it plain Jane, everyday, old-fashioned wisdom. Just something to get me through the day. Something to get me through life right now. What do I need right now? What's happening spiritually? Give me something to walk my days out and make sure I stay connected to the spiritual realm and stay connected to you. And God began to speak to me and began to show me things. And I want to tell you, I want to share them, some of those things with you. But I want to tell you this. What I'm telling you is not some theology that's not tried. This is real. This can change your life if you'll listen to what I'm telling you this morning. If you will begin to cultivate this, okay, you, it will have a very practical and real impact on your life. No matter what's going on, no matter what's going on, this can affect your life and, and literally this can dial you into the spiritual realm and keep you dialed in when everything around you wants to push you out. And that's the, really the key to all of it, is staying dialed into the spiritual realm, staying dialed into what God's doing, staying dialed into the Father's heart, to the Father's mind. So, are y'all all right? I got 20 minutes. I can do my five little things here, and we'll be done. I, got, I don't do, usually do five, you know, five points or whatever, you know, three points in a poem or you know, four points in some ridiculous thing, and now we've done slides, and, you know, and that was good. Don't you love a dog that walks on its back feet? If a dog owned dog, if a dog can find something that doesn't have the Spirit of God and overcome some situation in life, why can't the people of God do that? And that's really why that, that dog overcame a major problem in his life. A dog. God had to use a dog to try to tell people, look, look what happened to this dog. And look what he did. Now people, the owners using him to preach the gospel. And we have a bad, something happens bad to us, we just fall apart and lay down and want somebody to come in and rescue us or blame them for what happened. You know what I'm saying? I can imagine that dog talking to us on this is your fault. Why did you cut my good leg off, you know, even though it was going to kill me? Don't you love dog stories? <laughs> Anyways, Philippians 4.4, 4, this is number one. Number one is rejoice always. Now, listen, that's what the Bible says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say rejoice. It, it doesn't say just rejoice when everything's good in your life. It says always. I mean, it, that's what it says, right? Yeah. It says to do it always. And let me tell you what rejoice means. It means to be calmly happy or well off. Calmly happy or well off. Yeah. In the natural realm, when you're struggling, it's hard to be calmly happy. It's hard to be anything happy. It's all, it's, in fact, it's depressing. There's people who've killed themselves over the stock market. I mean, put a gun to their head and blew their brains all over the wall because they lost all their money in the stock market. That's what happens to people. Panic sets in and grabs people's hearts and minds. And what the Bible says is to be rejoicing. You know, in other words, Paul, what Paul was saying is this true joy is not a surface emotion. It's a condition of our heart. What is gripping your heart? That's, how, that's what he was saying. You've got, to, you've got to dial into this thing inside of you and rejoice in the face of difficulties 
and, and circumstances. You gotta, you gotta, you, I believe God can create a, a, a joy inside of people and release a joy in people. We can walk through our days calmly happy, no matter what's happening around us. Calmly happy. Now, I don't know why it's calmly. I'm sort of like lively happy, you know. But I can just tell you this. To be truly well, well off is to be independent of outward circumstances. Is to be independent of outward circumstances. That's to truly be well off, to be able to truly rejoice your outward circumstances. You've got to find something inside of you that brings you joy instead of something outside of you. Are y'all good? All right, this next one's very important, okay? Well, all of them's important, but I like this next one a lot because this is something. It says, number two, let. Everybody use the word let. Everybody say let. Let Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now, anytime the Bible says let, that you should pay attention. You know, let this mind be in you. Hey, you know, most Christians don't allow the mind of Christ to come. They don't let it. It's a decision. It's a choice that you and I get to make. Well, this thing about being gentle, it says the Lord is near. I always thought when I used to read that, well, that means Christ is coming back soon, and we need to, you know, be in order. When he, and I know He is coming back soon, but I also believe it is. The Lord's presence is right here. His very searching self is right near. And this is, and you said it. Somebody else said it too. I don't know why, but God is saying this right now. This is not the time to be offended. This is not a good time to get in conflict. In fact, you better t- when conflict heads your way, you better turn and go the other way. It's the devil. The devil is trying to draw people into, to, into skirmishes. He's trying to draw people into battles with each other. Okay, it's not good what's going on. There's a, an, offense, a, a, an offense, spirit of offense that's been released against the body of Christ right now. And I'll tell you, I have been through spiritual shifts before. In spiritual season, and I have seen husband and wife split. I have seen close friends fall out with each other and would not even speak. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about people who love each other. And they would become so offended at each other. And we have to be really careful right now. I've been telling all our pastors, listen, you need to, here's the, here's the word for you. Be as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent. You know, old snakes, how they are. They are wise. I'd be killing a bunch of snakes if I saw them, but I seldom see snakes. Okay, lay low. They stay out of the way. They stay out of harm's way. You need to stay out of harm's way right now. Be careful about conflicts. Be careful about getting drawn into stuff with people. Be careful. The enemy will come after you. He'll try to bait you into something. He'll, you'll find yourself in an argument over something that's ridiculous before you even know what happened. It, I'm, just, I'm just warning you. Okay, you've got to pay attention to this. It's really critical. Mr. Doug Murdoch sitting right here on the front row with a black shirt on and... Khaki pants, whose wife needs prayer. God heal in. She's need, she had that surgery, but she's, she's doing good. She just needs a little more, a little more Holy Ghost healing. He had a dream recently. In this dream, God spoke this to him. Business week, February the 19th, 1990. Now, that's a pretty direct word, right? Business week, February, you know, that's an old-timey thing for some of you. 1990 seemed like yesterday for me. I thought, 1990, yeah, that's, that's not bad, you know, but that's 18 years ago. <laughs> Anyways, Doug, after work, doing some research, went to the li- had to go to the library, got the microfiche of that edition of Business Week, read through the thing, and finally he came to an article called At Ease, The Disarming of Europe. It was about when the Soviet Union broke up and... 
the Berlin Wall fell and all that, and, and it said, it read, if ever there was a time to beat our swords into plowshares, this is it. Did you get that? If there was ever a time for you to come to peace with people, to come to peace with your enemies, to lay down your swords, right now is the time. Right now is the time. Don't give in to the spirit of offense. Don't believe the lies that are coming. Like, you know, you look at a person, oh, that person don't like me, or they've rejected me. Or, you know, all that's the devil. I'm, I mean, and I'm not a big devil guy. I mean, I hate the devil, don't you? Everybody who hates the devil, raise your hand. And the rest of you need to get saved. Because <laughs> the devil's mean. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he puts thoughts in our minds about people and situations. I'm not suggesting you go to every person you've had difficulties with unless the Lord leads you. you. You don't have to do that, you know. But the Bible says as far as you're concerned, be at peace. Be at peace. There's a time for peace right now in the body of Christ. Now, there may be a time to get in, go to war against the, against the powers of evil, but for us, with, between each other and the body of Christ, between family members, between friends and relationships, be at peace. Be careful. Don't. In fact, that uh, article spoke of a dividend of peace. It actually says the peace of God in these scriptures will guard your hearts and mind in Christ. That's a dividend of peace. And the God of peace will be with you, it says. God's looking for a, a, there's a time when we need to have the peace to come on us. Put our differences aside. Put your offenses aside. Let it go. Forget it. Go on. Move on. Some of the offenses I had back in this last shift that I got caught up in offense, and I look back now and think, that's the most stupid thing in the world. Why don't I just say, it's not worth it. I'm sorry I offended you. Please forgive me. I don't want to be out with you. Why did I go through all this difficulty and bring hurt and pain into people's life by giving in to a spirit of offense and making decisions based on that, based on a lie from hell? No, don't do it. I'll tell you, you've got to be careful. Be gentle towards all people. It's not time to be in conflict with anyone. I'll tell you, when you get a word that's that specific, see, I'd already gotten the word. I'd already been talking. Uh, Marlon even got this other word. You know, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. In other words, God is saying, if you pull your sword out and use it, it's going to come back on you. Don't do it now. I, I entreat you today. I entreat you about your offenses. I entreat you. Lay your offenses down. Don't give in to that evil spirit. Amen? Let me read uh, Colossians 4, 6. I don't have it up there, but it starts out with this great word, let. It says, let your speech always be with grace. As though seasoned with salt, so that you will know what you should respond to each person. Let your speech always be with grace. In other words, it's another choice we get to make. Am I going to, when somebody speaks to me, am I going to speak grace to them, or is my mouth going to be sharp? Is my tongue, is my tongue going to be a sword to them, or is there going to be a, a graceful word out of my mouth? Maybe they've offended you, and it's hard on you. And I know how men are. Some guy can come up to me and provoke me. I'm ready to go outside and fight with them. I mean, I, this is the way I was in the old days. You know, let's do it. You know, we'll just have a shake down here. And I'm 54 now, and I still think that way. That's my carnal man. But the truth is, you know, I have a, a big old bat out there I keep hitting. People don't know about it when I go outside with them. I got this bat. I'm going to hit you with it. Because, so you, you know, you don't want to jump on some, bot, some people. Like Jeremy over there, for instance. He's a pretty strong boy. He's younger than me. But, but the truth is, God wants us to release grace out of our mouth. Let that salt of heaven come into your mouth right now. And if you find yourself, if you slip into something, get out the moment you realize you're in it. Get out. Don't let your pride, your arrogant flesh, get you into something. 
that you're going to regret. Amen? Let, be gentle towards each other. The Lord is, is, is near. Number three, this is a great one. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, stop worrying. Now, that's just pretty much straightforward. Uh, do not worry. How many people are plagued with worry? How many people are plagued with staying up at night, worrying over something? Let me tell you what the American Medical Association said about worry. And who knows about the AMA? I know they probably have a lobby group, and they're, but they do know some things. They're doctors, you know. Uh, they have a survey that 90% of the people who worry worry about things that do not take place 87% of the time. Do you get that? 90% of the people. So 9 out of 10 of us are worried about something that's not going to happen 87% of the time. We're only 13% of the time right in our worry. But the worry never answered the question. I got the great advice one time from an old pastor one time. He said, Brian, I can tell you this. Every decision you make in the middle of the night, don't act on it. Because <laughs> you don't make good decisions when you're up in the middle of the night fretting. How many, you know, I used to do that, but I've gotten better at that. Honestly, God's helped me to take every thought captive. When the enemy comes at me at night and speaks a thought into my mind that brings a rush of adrenaline into me, that wakes me up, and I want to want to think about it. This, there's a story that that uh, and from Martin Luther that the devil himself visited Martin Luther, the great reformer, was at the foot of his bed, woke him up, and Martin Luther looked up, saw the devil, and said, oh, it's just you, and rolled over and went back to sleep. Now, there's a man who knew how to take thoughts captive. He knew, I'm under the blood. That devil down there can't do a thing to me. And God wants to teach us how to keep, take those thoughts captive and not allow them to torture us at night and then get up the next day and, not, and have, to have a rough day because you didn't sleep but two hours at night. Everybody suffers from that from time to time. But God wants to deliver. And, and obviously, Paul says, be anxious about nothing. Jesus said, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, Jesus was saying, I've put enough problems for you to solve today. Don't worry about the problems I'm going to bring into your life tomorrow. You know, for you to solve and for you to bring glory to me. Amen. All right, then it says, uh, Are y'all good? Yeah. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. With everybody say thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. I don't think that I, I'll be honest with you. If, I, if somebody said, Byron, tell me the one thing, the one secret that you've learned about connecting in the spiritual realm, the one secret, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that will help you, but I'll tell you the one thing that has helped me more than anything else. It comes out of Romans chapter 1. Let me just read that to you. I love this. I know I've preached this to y'all, and y'all, some of you ain't got a check because you ain't connecting with the spiritual realm, but it tells you right here in Romans 1, how you and I can live out of the heavenly realm, how you and I can, can, can literally see into the spiritual realm. It tells you, it's just so obvious. It's in uh, verse 21. It says, For even though they knew God, okay, it's talking about people who knew the Lord, it's talking about me and you, they did not honor Him as God. Honor. And here, here's a practical way to honor God. Honor each other. Okay, that's one of the most... Because I say, Lord, how am I going to honor you? What, how do I do? Do I come to church? Do I read the Bible? Do I give my tithe? All oh, those are wonderful things, but honoring each other is the most practical way I know to honor God. Or give thanks. It says it right there. And then it says, they can't, became futile in their speculation or in their thinking or in their mind. 
futile means without purpose. In other words, because of a lack of thanksgiving in our life, we forget and we lose our purpose. Why did God put me here? Because we've lost something. Okay? Remember, your mind is a doorway. It's the gateway to the heavenly realm. It's either open to heaven or it's shut to heaven. I'm telling you, that's the truth. Your, your experiences with God into the heavenly realm, into the unseen realm, start here. That's where they begin. If this is open to that realm, you'll have it. And the way you open it is honoring God and being thankful. All right? And it says their, their, their mind lost their purpose and their foolish hearts were darkened. Soon to follow, when you close your mind off by being not thankful and by dishonoring God, the next thing that's going to happen, your heart becomes dark. You know what a darkened heart is? Oh, let me, you know, I'm just so tempted to do all these bad things. You know, I want to look at things I shouldn't want to look at. I want to do things I shouldn't want to do. You know, that's a dark heart. Your affection, it's talking about your affections. You start desiring things you shouldn't. And, of course, if you read the rest of that chapter, guess where homosexuality came from? There. It came from a mind that shut itself off to God. And over time, the heart became so dark, its affections became twisted and turned and perverted. It's not a, it's not a medical problem or a genetic problem. It's a spiritual problem. I'm not going to get on all that. It's one of the, I'm just telling you, we can never, ever, I'm telling you, Thanksgiving is important. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. I'm not going to thank God for AIDS or cancer. But in every situation we find ourselves in, if you'll be thankful, this is what will happen to you. It's beyond just connecting with spiritual, you'll find that rejoicing heart. Because you can find yourself being happy when everything around you is unhappy. And you'll say to yourself, why do I feel so happy? I should feel miserable. You know, because everybody around me is miserable, but I'm happy. And it, and it has its roots in a thankfulness. Are y'all good? Number five, and this is the end. Uh, finally, brethren... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, pure, lovely, good repute, if there's any excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. If you listen to everything the news says, I mean, come on. Everybody thinks Fox News is so wonderful. They talk about some of the craziest stuff on there in the world. They ain't wonderful. How can they be wonderful? Only what God says is wonderful. I mean, I like Fox News. It's the only news I watch because I can't stand the other ones. I mean... Fox is not wonderful. The other ones have gone down the tubes even further. In my opinion. That's my opinion. But I'll just tell you this. That's not what we need to set our minds on. We don't need to set our minds on what the world says about itself. We need to set our minds on what God has done or is doing. Now remember that little thing? That's the way you stay in a renewed mind. You think about what you don't think about what God's not. Oh, why ain't God doing this or God doing that? Ain't what you should think about. What has He done? Remember what Bob Jones told us. He told us this. And this year, well, if you come up and have a bad meeting, just go and rehearse everything God's done. That's what He said. Just go back and remember all that God has done in your life already. That'll be a good day for you. And I believe what God wants us to do is put our minds. In, the Bible says, "Set your mind on things above." That's what it says. And see, when we begin to cultivate these in our life, this is all something we can do. Because why can't we do it? Because the Bible said do it. And if the Bible in the New Testament tells us to do something, 
with that word, there's grace, there's power to do it. It's, God's not asking us to do something. He's, he's not saying, I'll enable you to do it. That's what I'm telling you today. That will get you through this transition time. It'll get you through it. It'll keep you connected to the spiritual realm. And if you'll do that, if you stay connected to the spiritual realm, then you know what to, how to think about things. Then you'll know what to say about things. Then you'll know what to do about things. Oh, I lost my job. Okay, I need to stay connected to the spiritual realm because I need to know what God's saying about that. I need to hear God right now. I don't need to be whining and you know, thrashing. I need to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. You know, you know, my husband is messed up. He's a drunk. What is the Holy Spirit saying? I've got to get some information from God in this thing. If I don't get His wisdom, I can't solve it. And that's really what God has for us. Now, this morning, this is what I want to do. I want people in this room. Is there people in this room I'm talking about that you, are, you have a calamity in your life financially? In other words, you've lost your job or you got, you're up against the wall and if God doesn't intervene in your life, something bad's going to happen. Is anybody like that in this room? Raise your hand. There's one. See, there's a few people in this room that are in a calamity situation. I want you all to come up. I'm glad you got bold enough to raise your hand because I'm telling you what we want to do is pray for them what I just talked about. We want to pray that the wisdom of heaven would get released to them. And, and, you know, God may just deliver them out of it, but I believe what God wants to do is tell them, listen, this is what you need to do. This is the answer to your problem. This is the answer to your situation in life. That's the prayer that we need to pray for them this morning so that they can get the wisdom of heaven to faith. They've got a problem. They've lost, they don't have jobs. They don't have money. They don't have it. All of us have that to some degree. We would like to have more money, I, you know, but some of us don't even, may not even have enough money you know, to feed ourselves. And God wants to give us an answer for that. So I want some people from the ministry team. I'm going to pray a general prayer. Y'all come up here. I want everybody to have somebody laying hands on them. The other thing is, you know, that God would help them. I'm going I'm to pray God's wisdom. You guys who lay hands on me, if the Lord show you how to pray for them. Let's make sure everybody's got somebody. Are y'all good? I feel like I just raced through that. It's like I'm running 90 miles an hour.